Welcome to the podcast. I conducted a poll on my Twitter page providing four choices for what topic I should cover in my next presentation. Turned out the poll was a tie between two topics, one of them being the details of the U.S. government's income tax scam. It heartens me that people want to hear the truth. Evidence of the scam is as voluminous as it is irrefutable. Obviously, I can't share all of it with you here today. Nevertheless, I can share with you certain compelling key facts. I'm going to do that today, so stay with me and have your minds blown. The Dr. Reality Vodcast with Dave Champion. Let's start with this. The framework of everything you're about to hear is that the income tax is 100% constitutional. But for at least the last 60 years, the United States government has been running a massive and incredibly successful disinformation campaign to convince ordinary Americans the tax applies to them when, in fact, it does not and never has. The second thing you should bear in mind as we proceed is that what I'm about to share with you cannot be rebutted by any accountant, tax lawyer, or lawyer for the government. How do I know that? I know that because I've given all of them countless opportunities to do so, and they have never taken me up on it. The only place accountants or lawyers have attempted to rebut the information you're about to hear is in a private setting where they know they're not going to be recorded. Why is that important to them? Because they already know they have no credible rebuttal, and if they were recorded, their professional reputations would suffer when the recording was made public. I should add that in every one of those private settings where they've attempted a rebuttal, they got their asses handed to them. Let's quickly review the broad outline of the disinformation campaign the government has been successful at getting most Americans to believe. It goes like this. You earn a living. In the course of doing so, you incur liability for income tax, which you can only discharge by filing a Form 1040 or an 1120 if you're a business and paying the government a percentage of what you earned. And just to be clear from the outset, none of that is legally factual. The next thing to keep in mind as you watch this is that you've likely never read a word of tax law. You simply have come to believe the government's position because everyone, literally everyone, <laughs> has told you it's true. I will remind you of the old adage, the truth is still the truth, even if no one believes it, and a lie is still a lie, even if everyone believes it. Here's an interesting bit of information for you. I have never met an accountant or lawyer who knows the things we're about to discuss today. Why? Because despite the often stated view that if what we're about to discuss today is true, these <clears throat> professionals would know about it. That simply isn't true. Accountants and lawyers believe what they're told by those in authority, just like other people. As I said a moment ago, the government's disinformation campaign has been incredibly successful, and a huge portion of the government's disinformation focus has been on brainwashing attorneys. As an example, in a recent presentation, I shared the content of a discussion between a company attorney and a person who knows the truth about the income tax. The attorney was so brainwashed that he would read a statute or a regulation with his own eyes and then say it wasn't true. <laughs> Why would a member of the bar childlessly deny what a statute or regulation says? Because he couldn't reconcile his brainwashing with what he'd just seen with his own eyes. Do you not find it fascinating that his brainwashing prevailed over what he'd read with his own eyes? 
I share that story to reinforce that despite what many Americans foolishly think, attorneys do not know the truth about the income tax. I'll put a link to that video in the notes so you can see the attorney deny the law for yourself. I'm going to make today's material as easy and streamlined as possible for you. That said, I will need to quote some law. If I didn't, then you'd have to Take my word for what the law says, and that is counter to my belief that every American should see the law for themselves so you can stop having your property stolen from you. If at any time some legal jargon winds up being hard to follow, just back the video or podcast up a bit and listen again. It will all come together for you. The last thing you need to know before we jump into the facts is that I put my money where my mouth is. I haven't filed an income tax return or paid a penny of income tax since 19. 93. I'm also the author of Income Tax Shattering the Myths, the best-selling book in America revealing the truth about the income tax. Today, you're going to hear a fraction of what appears in Income Tax Shattering the Myths. Now, on with the evidence. In the government's disinformation narrative I mentioned a moment ago, a part of that is the ordinary working American has to file a tax return, a Form 1040. But let me be clear, That's complete nonsense. Income tax law says no such thing and never has. Let's talk about something called a treasury decision. While you've likely never heard of a treasury decision, it would be difficult to overstate how crucial they are to the proper understanding of tax law. Let me explain. Treasury decisions are the official determination of the U.S. Secretary of the Treasury concerning the interpretation of tax law and or establishes procedures the secretary requires in order for a taxpayer to meet a tax obligation. Treasury decisions can be used and relied upon by employees of the Department of Treasury, the IRS, tax professionals, and the public as authoritative binding determinations concerning U.S. tax law. Employees of the Treasury Department and the IRS are required to obey all Treasury decisions. When the Secretary wants a Treasury decision to have something that is in law called general applicability, the language of the Treasury decision is published in the Federal Register and becomes a tax regulation. In short, Treasury regulations are as authoritative as it gets. Now that you understand the importance of Treasury decisions, you will remember a moment ago I mentioned they are used for, among other things, establishing procedures that must be followed by taxpayers, employees of the Treasury Department, and the IRS. Procedures specified in Treasury decisions are 100% non-discretionary. As you can imagine, there can't be any conflicting instructions or material omissions. If there were, it would misguide the public and cause chaos. Since Treasury decisions began being used before the turn of the 20th century, the Secretary knows exactly how that work must be done. Also, if we limit Treasury decisions to just income tax, the Secretary has been issuing Treasury decisions for that specific tax since 1913. So, why did I educate you about Treasury decisions? Because Treasury decisions detail, with the required specificity, who exactly is required to file a Form 1040. I'd like to share those with you now. Treasury Decision 1928 says a Form 1040 is to be used by a non-resident alien or his domestic agent to report the non-resident alien's U.S. source income. Treasury Decision 2313 says a Form 1040 is to be used by a non-resident alien or his domestic agent to report the non-resident alien's U.S. source income. 
Treasury Decision 2401 says a Form 1040 is to be used by a non-resident alien or his domestic agent to report the non-resident alien's U.S. source income. Treasury Decision 2815 says a Form 1040 is to be used by a non-resident alien or his domestic agent to report the non-resident alien's U.S. source income. Treasury Decision 2988 says Form 1040 is to be used by a non-resident alien or his domestic or his domestic agent to report the non-resident alien's U.S. source income. Treasury Decision 6500 says a Form 1040 is to be used by a non-resident alien or his domestic agent to report the non-resident alien's U.S. source income. Treasury Decision 2109 says a Form 1040 is to be used by a non-resident alien or his domestic agent to report the non-resident alien's U.S. source income. If you kept count, that's the Secretary of the Treasury saying in seven different Treasury decisions that a Form 1040 is to be used to report the U.S. source income of a non-resident alien. So now, let's get to the Treasury decisions that designate someone other than the non-resident alien as being required to file a Form 1040. I can't accommodate you on that, <laughs> because there are no Treasury decisions designating anyone else to file a Form 1040. In the next few months, it will be 110 years since the income tax was enacted. Over those 110 years, the Secretary has repeatedly stated to the entire country his official requirement that non-resident aliens or their domestic agents are required by law to file 1040 to report the non-resident alien's U.S. source income. Remember a moment ago I said there can be no material omissions because that would misguide the public and result in chaos? Well, there are no material omissions. There are no Treasury decisions designating anyone other than a non-resident alien or his domestic agent to use a Form 1040 because that is the only person permitted in a law to use one. If you believe that such a glaring omission, if it actually was an omission, which it is not, would be allowed to continue without correction for 110 years, and then just turn this presentation off because you have Stockholm Syndrome and need to get some seriously serious mental health care. But wait, there's more. Let's address the definitions of withholding agent and payor. Let's start with withholding agent, and then we'll tie that into payor. The definition of withholding agent is found at 26 U.S.C. 1441 and reads, quote, all persons in whatever capacity acting, having the control, receipt, custody, disposal, or payment of any of the items of income of any non-resident alien individual or any foreign partnership, close quote. So to be clear, in order to be a withholding agent, one must have control, receipt, custody, disposal, or payment of any items of income of any non-resident alien or foreign partnership. As an aside, the secretary often compounds non-resident alien and foreign entities such as partnerships and corporations into the single term foreign person. You'll hear me use that term moving forward. Now that we know what a withholding agent is, let's have a look at payor. That definition is found in the regulations at 1.1441-1C19 and reads, quote, the term payor is defined in section 31.3401A2 of this chapter and section 1.6049-4A2 and generally includes a withholding agent, close quote. 
For our purpose at this moment, we want to focus on the last five words. Generally includes a withholding agent. In law, generally means a thing is always true unless you come across a rare exception specified in law somewhere else. In other words, the Secretary of the Treasury is telling us we are always to consider a payor to also be a withholding agent unless specifically noted otherwise. Another way to phrase this is the terms payor and withholding agent are synonymous unless we are specifically told otherwise for the purpose of a particular part of a regulation. Because these terms are synonymous, withholding agent and payor mean the person who has control, receipt, custody, disposal, or payment of any items of income of any non-resident alien individual. With that understanding established, let me share with you the rest of the definition of payor. Quote, the term also includes any person that makes a payment to an intermediary, flow-through entity, or U.S. branch that is not treated as a U.S. person to the extent the intermediary, flow-through, or U.S. branch provides a Form W-9 or other appropriate information related to a payee so that the payment can be reported under Chapter 61 of the Internal Revenue Code and, if required, subject to backup withholding under Section 3406. This latter rule does not preclude the intermediary, flow-through entity, or U.S. branch from also being a payor. Close quote. Whew! That is a lot of jargon. But the meaningful part for this discussion are these words. The term also includes any person that makes a payment to an intermediate flow-through entity or U.S. branch that is not treated as a U.S. person to the extent the intermediary flow-through or U.S. branch provides a Form W-9, close quote. What that means is when any of the entities listed provides the person making the payment with a Form W-9 that notifies the person who is making the payment of income that it belongs to a non-resident alien or foreign entity. And as such, the person making the payment meets the definition of payor withholding agent and must act as such under U.S. tax law. I hope you took note of the fact that the person making the payment is notified that the payment belongs to a non-resident alien or foreign entity by being given a Form W-9. I wonder how many of you own your own businesses and have provided a ton of W-9s over the years to people paying you for your work. I bet you didn't know you were telling the person making the payment that the amount being paid to you belongs to a non-resident alien. And to be clear, the only purpose of a Form W-9 is the recipient of the payment notifying the person making the payment under penalty of perjury that the payment belongs to a non-resident alien. There is no other purpose for Form W-9 anywhere in U.S. tax law. Now that you know providing a W-9 tells the person making the payment that it belongs to a non-resident alien, which is then reported to the IRS on Form 1099, the sole requirement to file a Form 1040 being upon a non-resident alien or a domestic agent likely makes a lot more sense. If you didn't quite catch it, the way the payor notifies the IRS that you said the payment belongs to a non-resident alien is by sending them a Form 1099. The Form 1099, which is provided under penalty of perjury, tells the IRS that you said, again under penalty of perjury, that the payment belongs to a non-resident alien. Do you get how the scam works? 
Someone who owes you money says they won't pay you or will initiate backup withholding unless you provide a W-9. You don't know a thing about tax law, so you feel you have no choice. You provide a W-9, under penalty of perjury, saying the money belongs to a foreign person. The payor sends the IRS a 1099, under penalty of perjury, testifying that you identified the payment as belonging to a non-resident alien. Everyone in the process is making representations under penalty of perjury. Then, come April 15th of the following year, the IRS says, where's your 1040 and the money you owe us? And why shouldn't the IRS say that? You set all of it in motion by submitting EW9 under penalty of perjury. It was you. I get that it's out of ignorance resulting from a 60-year government disinformation campaign. But it was still you who created the legal presumption upon which the IRS is operating. A moment ago, I mentioned backup withholding. This is a particularly pernicious tactic businesses often use when a person declines to provide a Form W-9 to the person or entity making a payment. In that situation, the business may threaten to backup withhold. Since you already earn the money, therefore it is your property, and Americans have an unalienable right to property, as you might imagine, no business can summarily choose to take 31% of your property and hand it over to someone else, in this case, the government. Yet that's what these scumbags threaten to do. But is it legal? As you might imagine, that depends on who the backup withholding is being applied against. It is 100% illegal when applied to you, unless you're receiving payment of U.S. source income belonging to a foreign person. As you've already learned, a payor is someone making a payment that belongs to a foreign person, even if not paid directly to the foreign person. And payor is synonymous with withholding agent. Guess who's the only person authorized in law to conduct backup withholding? If you said the payor withholding agent, you are 100% correct. The requirement to backup withhold is found in Statute of 26 U.S.C. 3406A, which reads, quote, requirement to deduct and withhold. In the case of any reportable payment, if the payee fails to furnish his taxpayer identification number to the payor in the manner required, what I hope jumped out at you in that statute is that backup withholding can only be conducted by a payor, the definition of which being a person making payment of U.S. source income belonging to a foreign person. For the sake of completeness, this is a good time to revisit the regulations at 1.1441-1C19, we discussed a few minutes ago. It reads, quote, the term payor is defined in section 31.3406A2 of this chapter and section 1.6049-4A2 and generally includes a withholding agent, close quote. The regulation mentioned in that passage, 31.340A2, is entitled Definition of payors obligated to backup withhold. So you can easily connect the dots that one must be a withholding agent payor in order to engage in backup withholding. When a company threatens to backup withhold on the payment that does not belong to a foreign person, they are breaking the law and violating your rights. The passage also mentions 1.6049-4A2. And what is the title of that? The title is Return of information as to interest paid and original issued discount includable in gross income after December 31, 1982. 
which obviously has nothing to do with a company paying you for the work you performed for them. Again, when a company threatens to back up withhold on a payment that does not belong to a foreign person, they are breaking the law and violating your rights. I know this video is going a bit long, but let's quickly discuss one more thing. Let's talk about Treasury Decision 8734, which is entitled Withholding of Tax on Non-Resident Aliens. 8734 is 123 pages long in eight-point type. I have read all 123 pages several times. There is much in Treasury Decision 8734 that makes clear what most Americans don't understand about U.S. tax law including the correct applicability of various well-known tax forms. Before we jump into Treasury Decision 8734, it is imperative that you keep in mind that all 123 pages of this Treasury Decision pertain exclusively to withholding on non-resident aliens. If you lose sight of that during the discussion, you won't grasp the stunning implications of this Treasury Decision. One of the numerous revealing statements by the Secretary of the Treasury in 8734 is this, quote, reporting to the IRS may be required under sections 6011 and 1461 or under the reporting provisions of chapter 61 of the code, such as 6041, 6041A, 6042, 6044, 6045, 6049, 6050A or 6050N, parenthesis, the 1099 reporting provisions, close parenthesis, and close quote. <laughs> Let's quickly break this down. 6011 is the general requirement for filing income tax returns, and it reads as follows, quote, when required by regulations prescribed by the secretary, any person made liable for any tax imposed by this title or with respect to the collection thereof shall make a return or statement according to the forms and regulations prescribed by the secretary, close quote. I love this statute because you now know which person the secretary designated to use a Form 1040, a non-resident alien with U.S. source income or his domestic agent. It next mentions 1461, which simply states that when a withholding agent withholds income tax from a foreign person, the withholding agent becomes liable for, to the government for that amount. Now we get to the juicy part. The secretary says the requirement to file information returns under the various sections within Chapter 61 are upon the person making payments to non-resident aliens. How do we know that? Because as I mentioned a moment ago, every word in 8734 is about payments made to non-resident aliens, and the secretary was even kind enough to call those sections the 1099 reporting provisions. In 8734, the secretary is being clear that the requirement to file 1099s is upon the person making a payment of U.S. source income belonging to a foreign person. That said, I imagine someone out there is thinking there must be other treasury decisions saying 1099s are to be filed on ordinary business between Americans. I've been at this for 30 years, and I can assure you there isn't. But more importantly, no one including the United States government, has been able to provide a Treasury decision saying that. And of course, that parallels that the government cannot provide a Treasury decision saying any U.S. citizen living and working in the 50 states earning their own domestic source income are required to file any income tax form. No such Treasury decision exists. It doesn't exist because Congress has never imposed the income tax on you. 8734 goes on to say, quote, a payor you know who that is now, right? 
making payments to foreign persons must also be aware of the information reporting provisions under Chapter 61 of the Code and of other withholding regimes, such as Section 3406, backup withholding, Section 3402, wage withholding, and Section 3405, withholding on pensions, annuities, etc. Close quote. And yes, payroll withholding is also only upon non-resident aliens receiving U.S. source income, but that's a presentation for another day. 8734 then says, quote, under Chapter 61 of the Code, many types of payments, such as interest, dividends, royalties, broker proceeds, etc., open parenthesis, reportable payments, close parenthesis, must be reported on a Form 1099 if paid to U.S. persons. In addition, Section 3406 requires the same U.S. payees to furnish a taxpayer identification number to the payor, generally on a Form W-9, close quote. This is another great admission by the Secretary because it speaks of payments that belong to a foreign person but are being made to a U.S. intermediary, known as a U.S. person, and declares that the U.S. person receiving the foreigner's U.S. source income must file a Form W-9 with the withholding agent payor. I could go on and on for hours, perhaps days, because as I said at the outset, the evidence is as voluminous as it is irrefutable. I mentioned in my opening remarks that I would not be able to provide you with the mountains of evidence that exist. Examples of subjects I didn't get into today are that payroll withholding is also upon U.S. source income being paid to a non-resident alien. Everything you've learned today doesn't just apply to individuals, but to domestic corporations as well. Just as Congress has never imposed the income tax on the ordinary working American, Congress has also not imposed the income tax on ordinary domestic corporations. In other words, while I didn't have the time to get into it, the same principles you learn today not only apply to you, but also to your business. Phrased another way, there is no more requirement for an ordinary American business to file a Form 1120 than there is for me or you to file a Form 1040. How did this subject get so convoluted? I told you at the outset, a massive 60-year government disinformation campaign. And it continues to this very day. I don't know how you feel about having your property wrongfully stolen from you your entire life. I know how I feel about it. It was my revulsion and sense of betrayal with the fraud being committed against the American people by our so-called servant government that caused me to stop filing and paying when I learned the truth. That sense of revulsion and betrayal is what led me to write Income Tax Shattering the Mist, which lays out the entire scam from A to Z. You've only heard a fraction of it today. I wrote Income Tax Shattering the Mist so that my fellow Americans wouldn't have to spend years pulling all the pieces together in order to understand that the U.S. government has knowingly, willfully, and intentionally perpetrated the largest financial crime in world history and did so, is doing so against the American people. What do you do now? That's up to you. I'm not big on telling others what to do. I will suggest you read Income Tax Shattering the Mist and get all the facts under your belt, not just the few I've been able to share with you today. Once you have all the facts under your belt, then you can decide whether you want to keep getting fucked over by the government or whether you'd like to safely walk away. I say safely walk away because when you have all the facts, you can do just that. And in fact, 
Tens of thousands of your fellow Americans have done just that with the information you'll find in Income Tax Shattering the Mist. You can get Income Tax Shattering the Mist. All you need to do is go to drreality.news, drreality.news. Robert Brult famously said, Worse than telling a lie is spending the rest of your life staying true to the lie. I would modify that a bit and say, worse than believing a lie is spending the rest of your life staying true to that lie once you know it is a lie. If you have found this presentation compelling, please share it. The scam isn't going to get unwound if people see the facts and say, oh, that's cool, but don't share it. The power of social media is sharing. No matter on what platform you're seeing this, you should be sharing it with everyone you know, everywhere you can think to share it. To go from hearing these irrefutable facts to having a full and complete command of the subject and easily becoming the expert in the room, go to drreality.news and get your own copy of Income Tax Shattering the Mist. You have my word. It will be the most fascinating nonfiction book you will ever read. Thanks for being here. Take care.